I, I just feel like it's the calm before the storm. And Sam Amick of The Athletic is, is far more connected than I. We can ask him right now. And what a great piece of timing by us. We have him on every Thursday at 8.05, but we just so happen to have him on actual draft day where I'm sure he has absolutely nothing to do. Samuel, hello. How are you? Good morning, David. Doing wonderfully. Nice to hear your baritone voice. Are you uh, fully changed over now into off-season craziness mode? Did you get any break whatsoever? <laughs> I feel we so, feel so bad for you guys, man. Because there's like no, hey, the NBA Finals are over. Toronto won. Uh, Anthony Davis just got traded. Uh, here's the draft. Have you had any time to catch your breath? So, I mean, I wrote an Anthony Davis column on Saturday. Um I was pleased that if nothing else, at least they did it a day before Father's Day. Yeah, so then we right. had Father's Day. <laughs> so then Monday was fine, kind of getting reconnected. Tuesday made me laugh because we uh, we actually did sneak away a little bit and we went fishing, right? Right. Up at the good old Ice House Reservoir. Well, did you catch any trout? It's like, uh, sore subject because the answer is no. Uh, okay. And then the, the old father-in-law went back the next day and caught like nine without us. So gotcha. that was a little rough. Um but it's like, you know, that day, the Boston Celtics, you know, floor com- comes out from underneath them with reports that Al Horford and Kyrie Irving are likely leaving. And so right. fireworks that day, you know, fireworks yesterday uh, with the Mike Conley train. So, no, I mean, that you know, you it is funny, though. Every year you have to kind of train your mind and even within the family to, to just say like, Hey, listen, let's, you know, just because they call it the NBA finals, right? Like it's not, it's not the, it's not the finish line. <laughs> right. Um, you know, the finish line is, is mid July, but, uh, that's all right. We'll make it work. I mean, really, honestly, it's like you, all you get is August, maybe part of September, right? Yeah. I mean, late July is not bad. We're going to sneak away and do a little vacation at that time. Um, but you know, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, pre-agency, Peters out once you get past the, the top eight ten guys, you know, then then you can start to take a deep breath. Then then you end up it's you know, you chuckle whenever somebody breaks, you know, the thirty seventh most relevant free agent and you kinda reach that point where you laugh to yourself and you're like, I don't really care. I'm not gonna call about that one, you know. So more power to you. Some of your yeah, co- it's it's oh, like late July. Sorry about that. Some of your colleagues believe that uh, I believe the record uh for first round picks moved is 13 and i've yeah, heard some of your co- some of your colleagues think that uh you know that 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 might get approached do you do you feel that same way are you, are you getting the feeling that that tonight's going to be a crazy night or or more chalk than anything else i mean based on that type of chatter and the, the limited that i've had um kind of checking in with different teams i mean it's, it's i think it is going to be active i think it's also going to be you know, exciting and mysterious from the standpoint of not knowing, you know, really who's getting picked beyond the first three, four guys. And, you know, even in that regard, it's not that abnormal, but it's, you know, the most of the board is, uh, is wide open, so to speak. And, you know, the Pelicans there at number four kind of kick it off, you know, if they hold on to that pick, uh, kick it off, uh, the exciting stuff, because obviously there's a connection there to the AD trade and, and their rebuilding and things of that nature. But I think it'll be active. I think it'll be crazy. But, uh, you know, it always is. What did you think? We haven't talked since the, the Lakers traded for Anthony Davis. Both sides win. Did the Lakers get uh, <laughs> give up too much? What was your initial take on that? I like it a lot, I mean, for both sides, which is when every one of these GMs is doing these deals. And sorry, buddy, yet again, you're getting the uh, – 
struggling today. I don't know why I can't I get love healthy. It. It's but, awesome. Um, yeah, fantastic. <laughs> um, I like it for both sides, and normally you would be just destroying the Lakers because of what they gave up. Yeah. But I mean, you're talking about like somebody said to me, it's like it's like half a roster. You know, it's three yeah. actual productive players, and then it's three draft picks. And then it pick swaps on top of that. And, you know, Kings fans know better than anybody that probably have PTSD when they hear the phrase pick swaps. You know, like those are valuable. Those matter. Um, but it's like this is what you have to do when you get into the LeBron James business. And he's going to be 35 coming up pretty quick. And we saw last, you know, last season how he is human. He missed quite a few games yep. with, a, you know, a, a kind of a muscle type injury, which is always concerning. Not that you want these guys to be out there breaking legs, but at least, you know, that's more of a clear-cut injury. Muscle stuff a lot of times indicates fatigue, indicates wear and tear, things of that nature. So they just don't have any time to wait. They could not have LeBron out there without another star, and they had to pay this price to get AD. Now, I will say, you know, we are always guilty of making assumptions when these types of trades go down and, and the one that is front and center is like when the Lakers, you know, went out and got Dwight Howard, like the whole entire, you know, assumption and the whole entire story was that he was going to be there and, and be their next shack for years to come. And that thing went off the, the rails real quickly. Um, and to a lesser degree, you know, Steve Nash, when they traded for him, he was, uh, he was going to be an a X factor and a productive player and he was never healthy. So next thing you know, they're blowing it up and right. it's a, a negative situation. So, I mean, that being said, if I'm handicapping it, I think AD and LeBron will fit in well. I think they'll win a lot of games. I don't know who they're going to be playing with. Um, that's obviously front and center next month in free agency. But, you know, I then think that AD will resign next summer, barring disaster. Because it's not – this is not a one-year rental in the conventional sense. You know, this is a guy who wants to be with the Lakers. You know, unless it's just really not going well. Sam Amick joining us right now. Sam, I don't don't want to go to the Kings yet. I want to stick on the NBA in general. But this is kind of a Kings thing because we've been talking about it. Uh, Is Oklahoma City, is that a real motivation, do you sense, uh, to move move Steven Adams, to move Dennis Schroeder? That's uh, about $40 million uh, in space. Uh, Is that something you – you think is real and could very well happen? I mean, it would surprise me, you know, unless it's, I don't know who they think they're going to get because Steven in particular, you know, Dennis has, you know, had some moments, but he was bad in the second half of the year. And, and he's, uh, you know, with all due respect, replaceable. Steven is one of the best bigs in the league and, a, you know, major part of their culture and a, and a homegrown guy who, has the unique distinction of being the, the last remaining piece of the James Harden trade. Um, you know, the pick they got in that deal with Houston is uh, how they got to Steven. So um, that stuff surprises me a little bit. And, you know, but, but that is also, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, a ripple effect of where we're at in relation to the Warriors and the Rockets and like this new NBA. I mean, it's just crazy, Dave. I mean, we've been talking for even well beyond the, you know, the time when the Warriors were good. But in the last five years, it was like you had this one absolute truth. Golden State Warriors, either at the top of the food chain or right there. 
one or two. And, you know, what's fascinating and I think fun for the fans and the media to see is like the, the way that executives and teams act when they, when they believe again. You know what I mean? Like that's what's happening right now. You, you have teams like Oklahoma City, teams like Houston, thinking about moving heaven and earth to come up with the right formula because the Warriors are just gone. I mean, they are, you know. They're going to be okay. They're going to win games, but they're not a title contender. Um, or at least, you know, I mean, they're probably a top eight team, but nobody knows what they're going to be, really. So that's when you see, you know, it's like a card game. That's when people start, push, you know, pushing more chips in and, and getting a little, uh, a little more brave. Well, speaking of that and, and the, the chaos in the West, Daryl Morey appeared on our friend Sean Salisbury's show earlier in the week in Houston, and okay. and he said, yeah, this whole Chris Paul thing's garbage. I've been asked for a trade. It's now not an issue. And then you see another report saying that, that Chris Paul and James Harden's relationship is uh, irreplace, or, uh, irreconcilable differences. How about that? A divorce term. Uh, and Daryl Morey sounds like he keeps pleading the case that this is a lot of garbage, much ado about nothing. Which side are you more likely to believe here? Because I don't imagine Daryl's going to come out and be like, yep, they hate each other. But at the same time, do you think Chris Paul and, and James Harden are done together? Um, <clears throat> no, not, not for sure. Uh, because, for one, and this is one of those where I was kicking myself for not writing it, and then it got written elsewhere. But, you know, even before the Rockets lost to the Warriors the latest time, they were planning on finding a way to aggressively pursue Jimmy Butler. And so independent of these relationship dynamics, you know, they had, Daryl had been looking at his roster and thinking, how could I move enough money to get Jimmy in here? I didn't know how he was going to do that. But now, you know, it certainly seems clear that the prospect of trading Chris Paul <clears throat> is one of the possible ways. Um, the thing that Daryl has on his side in terms of kind of litig uh, litigating this thing in public is that things like trade demands are very concrete. Like a guy, you know, either gave the team one or he didn't. Right. And, you know, I take Daryl at his word that he says he didn't. Uh, even in talking in media circles, you know, I think some of the reporting has been like the tone of it is accurate, I believe, in terms of these two guys are not seeing eye to eye. You know, we had reported a much milder version of this story uh, a little while back and just indicating that Chris and James after, you know, during the Warrior series, after the Warrior series and the aftermath of game six, they had been kind of at each other's throats and arguing about style of play. I asked Mike D'Antoni about it in an interview after that. And, and he did the same thing Daryl did downplayed it. And he even said something about how it's, you know, it was us being too, uh, too eager to run something that wasn't that big of a deal. So he was kind of acting like it was nothing to see here, but, um, you know, I think they definitely have issues. It's, I said this yesterday to somebody that the way the Rockets play, it just feels like it's inevitable because it led to them having the second best offense of all time with James having the ball in his hands almost all the time and the other four guys standing around in the wings. And so it works. But when it doesn't work to the tune of a championship, like there's this fascinating correlation between sacrifice and success where when other players like Chris Paul and Oscar Rivers, guys like that, sacrifice from the way they are kind of, you know, used to playing the game, the way they grew up playing the game, and it doesn't lead to the goal being achieved, then guess what? They're not as willing to sacrifice, and I think that's what we're seeing right now. Sam Amick of The Athletic with us. 
Uh, all right, you know what station we're on, you know what city we're in, and I know it's a fairly impossible question, so I'll, I'll try to keep it broad. The Kings don't have a first-round pick tonight. Your best guess, do you, do you think uh, Vlade's phone is ringing off the hook? Do you think they're active tonight, or are they more likely to stay chalk and use their three second-rounders? What, what's your sense? I mean, you know, they had been looking for one as far back as I can remember, uh, you know, trade deadline, things of that nature, so I'd, I'd imagine that hasn't changed. Uh, you know, they've got room, although I don't think they want to cut into that too much in terms of salary cap. You know, it, it gives you even more freedom to take money into that space. You know, if, if there was a deal to be had there, uh, if you take a bad contract, um, get a first-rounder back in return, uh, return, something of that nature. You know, and, and tangential to that certainly is is the future of Harrison Barnes and kind of, you know, it, it feels like, I'm sure they have some sense of an understanding as to if he was going to return, you know, what the number might look like. And so they've got to be cognizant of that. If that's in fact where that's at, I don't know that to be a fact. But, you know, he seems to be sending out positive things, messages, and, and acting like a guy who doesn't want to go anywhere, even though he decided to opt out of this deal. So, you know, I'm sure they'll be active. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, they're one of those teams that, that you call because of the space and because – of uh, the elephant in the room and the fact that they don't have a first. And if you're not that fired up about wherever you're at in this draft in the first round, then maybe you can get something that, that works better for your team. Sam Amick of The Athletic with us. Just a quick aside uh, before we wrap up here. Uh, I was taking the kids, my kids, uh, down to uh, – the in-laws family farm. Take other kids else. Yeah, that would be a little weird, right? I don't know why I need to clarify that. I was taking them to the farm down in Ripon, uh, California, which is about an hour 15 south of us. And I realized I had forgotten my phone charger and I was uh, on a very low charge and I was expecting an important phone call. So I did one of those things where I stopped into a gas station on the, on the side of the road on 99 and thank God they had an iPhone charger. But much to my surprise, and I, I swear to God, this is true. It was more than double what a monthly subscription to The Athletic costs. <laughs> and and I, I just want to remind everybody, uh, The Athletic has wonderful journalism and wonderful writers like our friend Sam Amick, like our friend Matt Barrows, Jason Jones, and so many more. And especially around draft time is absolutely a place you want to be for all your NBA needs, plus every other sport and localized coverage as well in a very streamlined format. The app is amazing. So check them out for less than half of what a gas station iPhone charger will cost, you can get fantastic journalism, Sam. I don't know if you know that. Thank you, buddy. I always love when you you expose my lack of sharpness in the mornings because I, I had no clue where you were going with that. <laughs> it's and like my favorite bit, but I have to switch yeah. it up now because I think you're going to be on to me because it's at the end of the interview. So I think I think from now on I'm going to kind of pull that in the middle somewhere where you wouldn't expect it. I don't want you on to me for that thing. Sounds bad. It's fair. It's fair. About the same price of a, a big box of Kleenex, which I'm about to go use to deal with this pink eye, which is ruining my ass. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, man. Uh, <laughs> that's, yeah. I had a, I had a, it's you cool. ever get a sty in your eyelid? You ever had that? Oh, or this is good radio now. Just ask. Uh, no, I haven't. I had one of those yeah. like three weeks ago. Dude, it looked like I had a black eye. It was really bad. If, if anybody was on our street at three o'clock in the morning, just for comedy, uh, this, this was the scene looked like Sam stumbling out. We actually had screwed up and left our garage door open. So my neighbor was being courteous. John rang our doorbell. No, a different neighbor. Okay. Ray. Thank you, Ray. Uh, a few of our neighbors actually hit us up, but three in the morning. And one of them was concerned enough that he actually rang the doorbell. And 
I walk out. I, I look at the little camera, and I saw it was Ray. So I go ahead and I walk out. I've never dealt with pink eye before, and and all of the lights um, look like orbs. And I just I was right for like if anybody would come up and beat the hell out of me, I was I was a sitting duck because I couldn't see. It was, it was incredible. It was uh, uh, been quite a night. Man. As yeah. a as a pink eye graduate, when I was much much younger, I do feel bad for you. By the way, have you uh, happened to Google uh, causes of pink eye? No, I have not. That you sounds sh- gross. No, you Is should. Gross? You should. Yeah. You Google Google some of the leading causes of pink eye and then text me. Listen, you're trying to add subscribers to The Athletic. I'm not trying to lose <laughs> listeners, so I'm going to let you go with this. <laughs> I'll see you, buddy. Good luck. <laughs> Take care. <Thanks. laughs> see you, baby.